0: Welcome back to Real Talk, a podcast focused on the reality of chronic illness. Every week, I'll speak with new guests to bring you an inside perspective for unfiltered Fridays. Here, we'll talk about dating, mental health, invisible illness stigma, balancing school with a condition, and more. I'm your host, Melody Olander. I'm a life blogger, Instagrammer, healthcare solutions grad, and founder of the nonprofit But You Don't Look Sick. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Real Talk. This week's episode is a Mother's Day special where I will be talking with my own mom about her perspective of my medical journey. We discuss how scary it is when you first become sick and the learning curve that comes with a chronic illness. If you don't mind, could you start us off by introducing yourself?
1: Hi, my name is Diana, and for anyone who doesn't know me, I am Melody's mom, and I'm very proud and honored to be here during this podcast.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. And yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm super excited. I'm going to be talking with my mom today on this episode. And we're going to be going a little bit deeper about my journey and really our journey of how it was as a mother-daughter relationship and how difficult it was at times. And It is an ongoing battle. As many of you know, I still have CIDP, I have EDS, I have POTS. Those are a lot of conditions that aren't going anywhere. Even if I am able to get the symptoms under control, EDS and POTS are a lifelong management skill and it's difficult. And the things that you go through with doctor's offices and appointments, it's what we really wanted to touch on and focus today. I mean, this medical journey that we've been on. It's coming up on seven years now. It started in 2014. In May, it's going to be seven years now. For anyone who doesn't know, my journey was really overnight. I had random health conditions throughout childhood and heart effects, being more flexible and breaking easier, which people know are parts of EDS and POTS. But really overnight, I ended up having new symptoms and CIDP really develop. And it was, again, overnight, extremely scary. I woke up one morning blind in my left eye in extreme pain. You were the first person I screamed for. I was screaming for my mom being, I look back now and dramatic. I was screaming like, I'm blind, I'm blind. But it's true. It's what I was feeling. I couldn't see out of my left eye at all. It was black. I was having extreme head pain. From my point of view, I was in extreme pain. I was waiting in bed while you called my neurologist to figure out what do we do? Do we go to the ER?
1: My perspective, I was downstairs. It was around 6.30 in the morning. All the kids were getting ready to go to school. For the ones who don't know our family, I have three children, I'm a single mom. And you were having some neurological issues with your migraines during high school i remember you having issues also with your heart since you were very little so i always took care of you and i never listened when the doctors were saying that you were making that up but that morning it was around 6 30 in the morning i was getting ready to send you guys all to school and then all of a sudden you started screaming that you couldn't see and the first thing i did was call your pediatrician she was a neurologist because you were scheduled you go see her due to your migraines. And when I texted the neurologist, she told me to take you directly to ER. I believe it was a week or two weeks before you graduated. So it was a very stressful time. And I took you to the ER. I don't like doctors because they don't listen. And immediately they started giving you medicine to lower your blood pressure, and that created a lot more problems. And then they started giving you more medicine, more medicine until you had to get admitted. So that was very scary. And then during that week, they had to induce you so your brain wouldn't swell. You had to be in a very, very dark room. I stayed sleeping in that hospital with you for that week. And some of your friends came, but basically I just held your hand through this, this time. And I would sing, I have to disclaim that I'm going to cry because it's so sad when your child gets sick. And at the beginning, you rely with what the doctors tell you and you believe them. And then when you get older and you go through this, you realize they're humans and they don't know what's going on. So you have to learn to do your own research. But... That was our first week of this journey that is taking seven years and it's a lifetime commitment now to change and learn to cope, you know, and be healthy as you can. But that week was very, very sad. And I remember singing this song that it says, wake me up when you're stronger. remember that song. Yeah, so you have me
0: cheering up also because, <laughs> yeah, for, <laughs> the song we're talking about is Avicii. Part of the lyrics say, Wake me up when it's all over, when I'm stronger and I'm wiser and I'm older. And it's funny because she kept singing that song to me in the hospital and I was sleeping. So, I mean, it's weird because while you're induced sleeping, you're asleep, you're not there. But I also remember so many things, and I remember her singing to me. And when we finally left the hospital,
1: Wait, 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 wait. I have to say something.
0: You didn't leave
1: the hospital very (laughs) docile. People need to know the other part of this melody. She was (laughs) induced to sleep and take medicines, connected to all these IVs. And then she woke up and she realized she wasn't going to walk her graduation. And all of a sudden, you removed all your IVs and you said, fuck it. And that's when I learned the code gray, code gray, code gray in the <laughs> hospital. That means that a patient is escaping. Yeah, but oh my God. you were so strong and you wanted to graduate and you went to school like nothing. And I I couldn't believe that in so much pain, you still wanted to walk and graduate and and that was insane but uh, <laughs> yeah you're a warrior yeah, my dear
0: that is definitely my personality and unfortunately we've heard those code grays yelled out a couple of times in the hospital
1: several,
0: <laughs> several. several times when we were leaving the hospital i mean of course i wasn't driving my mom was driving the escape vehicle the first song that <laughs> popped up on the radio was a beachy song wake me up when it's all over and I turned to my mom and I was like oh my god I hadn't heard the song yet because it actually just came out so I didn't hear it while I was in the hospital but she kept singing it to me and then when we were driving I turned around and I was like Oh my God, I kept hearing the song and my mom was like, yeah, I kept singing it to you. And we both just started bawling like babies. Now, anytime it comes on the radio or we see it, we're like, oh, it's our song.
1: But yes, it's been a journey because you managed to walk your graduation, but your symptoms were still there you had to go to ASU. And uh, I remember the first week at ASU, you got really sick, you were throwing up. I think even you're throwing up or fainting in the car while you were driving or your roommate was driving. My roommate was driving. So that was also very scared and we started going to different doctors. At the beginning, we didn't know what was going on. So we're still believing in doctors and they were saying that maybe you had an eating disorder. They, they would separate us. They would ask if uh, there was an abuse at the house or if you were making things up. So it was, it was very stressful because besides you being super sick, then you had all these questions from doctors. They didn't know about CIDP. They didn't know about Elders dandrum syndrome. They didn't know about PODs. So we started going in circles and it's not easy, you know, with this kind of health system where the doctors, they send you to specialists. You know, I grew up in a different country where a doctor is a doctor and they can see the whole body. Here they just see one part. So if you're throwing up, you go, okay, you can only go to a gastroenterologist. If you're fainting, then you need to go to a neurologist. They don't see the whole person as a whole body, right? So that made it very, very difficult for us. And I remember they would load you with different drugs. I remember you had one drawer or two drawers with like 40 different kinds of medications and you were not taking them because you were smart and you're saying, I'm not going to take this. This is not, you know, this is not making me healthy. And I agree with you. I, I really learn that you know your body more than anyone else and that's part of learning as a parent to respect the child or the adult child so it's it's been a learning process and it's been a a growing process with both of us right yeah and I agree because it's
0: a bunch of I want to say factors that It feels like you're getting spun in this big circle. Like, it's not only the stress of me being sick. And mind you, I was fainting and passing out anytime I was walking more than a couple of feet. I was so dehydrated and malnourished because I was throwing up and couldn't keep anything down that I was extremely weak and underweight. I was having seizures and chronic migraines still, and no one could give us an answer. And when we did go to doctors, they would essentially accuse me and separate my mom and I until, until they would get the answer that they wanted. And when they didn't, they would be like, well, I don't know what to tell you. We don't have any answer for you and send us on our way. And then there's also the financial burden aspect of it. Here in the United States, you have insurance, which if you have all these conditions, you're paying $500 a month for insurance if you have any more. sort of chronic condition. Yeah, or more. And then you end up having to pay co-pays for the doctor's appointments. And January and February is the most feared month in the world because all your deductibles and co-pays restart. So you're paying thousands of dollars out of pocket. We were getting sent to specialists and ER rooms
1: daily. I remember when they sent us, they said, oh, maybe you can go to Mayo Clinic. They are experts and uh, you may get some answers. And when we went, they required $10,000 down payment just to see you And if you don't give them the money in advance, they will not even look at you. So, and then they would give you the wrong answers. We did Mayo, we did that Mayo, and then they needed more specialists or more testing. Everything at Mayo Clinic was $10,000, $10,000, $10,000, and no answers. I remember... stupid nutritionist at Mayo Clinic that she had no clue what was going on. I think, I don't remember it. We left many doctors (laughs) saying the F you word several times and (laughs) I jumped at several doctors or going to the ER and me having to explain all your symptoms and what medicine they could give you and what medicine they couldn't give you. And they were looking at like, oh, I never heard what CIDP is. And I'm like, oh, why are you working here then? You know? (laughs) Um, So (laughs) it's it's very frustrating to be a mom and have a child who's sick and the doctors don't give you answers, you know? And then we had that moment where we finally found a neurologist after, I don't remember, maybe five neurologists that we've seen. We found one. And I remember us going to the doctors and explaining, and this was the only neurologist who stopped us and said, I know what you're talking about. And I know what she has. And we looked at each other like, what? But this was after two years. And then he said, what you have has no cure but there's treatment, but the treatment costs $10,000. It's once a week and it's not covered by the insurance. And that's when my life crumbled apart. And I said, I'm gonna do anything in the world possible to make sure that you get that treatment. And I decided I'll sell my house. I'll do whatever it takes to save this child, you know? And uh, being a single parent, is very, very difficult. I I remember having a backpack and a blanket in my car, because when you used to get sick and end up in the hospital for a week at a time or two weeks at a time, I had to stay there and I had to, to live in the hospital with you and I wouldn't leave your side. Sometimes I was annoying playing video games, <laughs> I'm making noise but um, I I wouldn't change this journey for anything in the world because you are becoming an amazing person. And I know that every disease has a way of transforming your heart and your mind into becoming a better person. And I believe when someone has a chronic condition, I, I do have one as well you have two options you can be a victim or you can be an emissary and you can transform it with love and compassion and kindness and learn to be kind to yourself and learn to be kind to others and understand that not only you you're suffering but everybody else in the world is suffering with some conditions so once you're understand that maybe you're sick or people are sick and it's just a wake-up call to become a better human being you know but it takes time to learn that lesson you know
0: yeah and I think everyone whether you have a chronic illness or not it's a mentality state that you can benefit from and whether It's anything, a chronic illness, you change your mentality from I'm broken and I'm helpless to I'm growing and I'm healing. And everyone's in the process of growing and healing. And we're all in the process of becoming a better person. I think having a chronic illness is just a constant daily reminder of what you need to do because you can't forget Mm -hmm. it. You have it every single moment.
1: But you you were not like that. I remember when you first got diagnosed with CIDP and there was no money for your treatment. And I remember I did everything for you to get your first treatment and it got approved. The first thing you did, you ran away to Vegas because you were modeling. And I lost yeah. it as a mom. I was like, what the, you know? But then you said, you know what? I'm going to live my life. And if I'm going to be sick, I'm going to enjoy my life too. And, and I didn't agree with that. In a way, I did because you're my daughter and I'm, I'm the same way. But as a mom, I was like, what the fuck? You need to come back, you know? But looking backwards is great that you choose to live and enjoy living the same when you came to visit me to France and you were super sick and you brought your plasma on the plane and I went to pick you up at the airport and from the airport in Nice to Saint-Tropez where our house is it's a long ride it was (laughs) night it was raining and I don't know maybe it was like an hour drive you threw up nine times and I was like, oh, my God, girl, you're sick. And that morning I had breakfast for you. I had gone to the <laughs> farmer's market with all these fresh goodies and it ended up all on, in the yard. But at least, <laughs> you know, what I admired about you is like you keep going. It doesn't matter if you need to give yourself treatment every other day Um You just go for it and life is an adventure, you know? And as a mom, I love that, but it also scares the crap out of me, you know? But I think it's amazing that life doesn't stop you. You know, you keep going for it. So imagine if you wouldn't be sick, the world wouldn't be able to put up with so much energy. (laughs)
0: They'd be like,
1: holy crap, this girl needs to calm down.
0: yeah seriously and that was something I was talking with Katya the other day when we were talking on our podcast about traveling was I don't know it's just my personality is I feel like I'm going to be sick at home or I'll be sick in a different country well I agree that taking care of your body is crucial to some extent you've done everything that you can and in the case of me getting ivig i think it took months for it to actually get approved and mind you this had taken me three years to get diagnosed my doctor called and was like your treatment got approved we can start next week
1: and i had a no we can we have oh yeah
0: yeah Yeah, we have yep we have to start next week and I said, no, I have a modeling job in Vegas next week and I'm a bunch so of photo shoots. Here. Yep. And I took my sister with me. Yeah. And I was like, I'll start when I come back. And my mom was like, what the heck? And my doctor. I
1: was mad. I was mad.
0: Yep. Mom got mad. But I was doctor proud too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, i would do it too. But as a mom, I have like, oh, no, you shouldn't. But. Yeah, I remember. As a mom, what it's a just, your
0: responsibility yeah. to tell me no, but silently cheer me on like once I did.
1: <laughs> I I believe I did say that I was proud of you afterwards. I, it, yeah. it, I think it delayed the treatment one week and what's the one week, you know, in the big scope. But, you know, sometimes as a parent, you need to learn to flow with your children and not be so headstrong as our parents were you know and that's also part of my journey with you to learn and I always tell you every day that I'm proud of you and I'm honored to be your mom and every day I learn to be a better human being because of you and your siblings you guys teach me a lot but um it's hard sometimes to let the child with you 18 back then you know better, and I believe I told you many times, uh, you have to follow your path, because at the end of the day, it's you in your grave, no one is gonna be in your grave, you know? And that's also how I live my life. And of course, you know, you guys are super independent and wild warriors, so it's hard to see that. And I'm like, okay, you need treatment, girl, or when you came to France, and. It was the weather was terrible it was raining it was pouring and you still wanted to go hang out in can and you wanted to do things and you're still sick so we had to do it but we we took it easy and sometimes we we learn to save our energy for what matters and we learn to slow down and we learn to exercise you know to to work with things, meditation, mindfulness, Pilates, all those things have been a lifesaver for for you in your your path, right?
0: Yeah, and it's really every day a learning curve. And it's not like our current regimen is the perfect regimen. Every day it's changing and evolving and that's the best part about it. As you get more information, you do better. But until you get that information, you're doing the best that you can. And I think that's really where a positive relationship has come between the two of us, is being able to evolve and communicate with one another.
1: And one thing we learn is that it's okay to cancel plans. It's okay to say no. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be in bed. It's okay... We've been trying to do this podcast for like two months already, you know, and the, if the energy is not there, we now know how to say the energy is not there. We don't have the energy even to be on a podcast for an hour because it takes a lot of energy for, to do that, you know, be a podcast or whatever, even go out shopping or to eat. We also take care of our diet that's something it's really important you know to eat organic and eat healthy foods and that sometimes when when you're sick you know the doctors don't talk about that I remember your neurologist talking to you and I would look at him and he had a canned soda and, on his desk and I asked him how are you giving advice to someone who's sick when you are poisoning yourself i remember the kind of soda sort fell. Of felt and made him nervous sometimes i try to make sure that the doctor who's giving advice to you it's also mindful of his own health right because otherwise i cannot respect someone telling you to do this or that you know and they don't even know how to be healthy themselves
0: yeah and i think that's a huge transition of being sick as well and being you kind of see doctors I don't know I mean this is at least how I saw them and I think many people see them almost as gods or superheroes like they should have all the answers and they know everything and they're super healthy themselves and when you see them and you're spending all this time with them you realize that they're flawed humans themselves and you need to take their I don't know, opinion, listen to it, sure. But I always say don't really take someone's full advice unless you're willing to switch spots with them and don't yeah. take it too much to heart. So if and do your giving, own research, right? Exactly. So if someone's giving you advice about nutrition and they don't have the best diet themselves, I don't know, how are you really
1: going to respect that or? They don't even ask if you're vegetarian. They don't even ask if you like to eat meat. They don't ask, this is what they learn and they give you the part of the page from the book that they learn and they cannot think outside the box. And what you learn having a chronic disease, I have a celiac disease. It's a genetic condition I was born with. And um, in 2000, after a big stressful event, uh, I also got very sick. So I learned to live with a chronic condition and uh, things that you learn is to do your own research. You are your best advocate. And if you're sick, you when you got sick, you couldn't even think you couldn't do anything. So you needed me to be your advocate. I remember when they're giving you IVs, I would check how many milligrams, what medicine, I would check the side effects. I would say yes, I would say no. I got a power of attorney to make sure that because once you're an adult, uh, I don't have any rights over you to be your advocate. So I protected you with legal options. I protected you from doctors. And uh, it's important to have someone on your side to be your advocate when your brain is foggy. I remember we, I was spending hours on the phone with the health insurance and it was, it was a full-time job at the beginning. And then slowly you learn to do that by yourself. But at the beginning, you do need to have an advocate by your side, especially if it's your parents, you know, one of your parents.
0: Well, and even knowing that you have someone with you, because chronic illness is a very up and down journey. It's a roller coaster ride. And I have moments in my journey where I'm doing really well health wise. I'm able to work out, go to physical therapy, do Pilates, eat, eat,
1: eat. eat. that's super important. Eating is drink water. Sometimes with. you cannot even drink water. Sometimes yeah. even water makes you sick. Yeah.
0: And then there's other times where I'm in a wheelchair and I can't even move a foot by myself or I've had to have my boyfriend or you literally like have me sit up in bed because I'm too weak to even sit up in bed to eat food or get a drink of water, get up to use the restroom. And it's very up and down and you need to know that you have someone that you can lean on because there's been times where I got meningitis from IVIG when I was getting treatment and one of the medications they put me on was diloted. and it's way stronger than morphine and it makes you drugged up out of your mind. And I still had doctor's appointments I had to go to. And there's no way I would have been able to do it myself. I had my mom taking me to appointments. I had my roommate helping. I had my
1: at-home nurse and just people <laughs> literally rotating shifts. I'm, I'm remembering something now that you bring bringing this up.
0: Oh, uh, what's that?
1: What happened when you you bite at your advocate? So when you got the meningitis, they told you not to move because you were leaking. And of course- No, 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 that was my blood
0: patch. That was my, uh,
1: I got a lumbar puncture. Yeah, you got lumbar puncture because of the meningitis and they told you not to move. And I said, I'll bring you home of course, you independent young. I said, No, I don't need you to go home. I can stay at home. And I said, You cannot move. And of course, you have EDS, so you move like a monkey. <laughs> and I believe your roommate called me that you were having a massive meningitis headache. So I went there and I said, I need to call the ambulance because you were living on a first floor. You couldn't walk down and you started screaming not to call the ambulance that you could walk. And I'm like, Melody, you cannot walk. (laughs) And you're like, I'm not going to the hospital. Stop controlling me. So part of being an advocate is learning to deal when someone is sick and they're so out of it from the pain that they cannot even think for themselves. And in their head, it makes sense that they can do things, but they can't. And it's like working with wildlife, right? It's, um, It's interesting. But at the end, um, I brought you to the hospital and <laughs> you got your blood patch. But being an advocate, it's not an easy job, my dear.
0: <laughs> oh no, not it. And that's something that I mean needs to be talked about too: is medications and I don't know, just side effects. The in- side effects, the whole process, everything, and how much it affects the patient. And yeah. You also need to know, like, if you are an advocate or taking care of someone or a caretaker, you can't take this personally. There's not at all. It's not about you. Yeah. It's not about you at all. There, imagine the worst, if you're an able-bodied person, imagine the worst pain you've ever experienced. Now, imagine being completely drugged up on pain medications in the hospital after If you've only gotten a wisdom tooth surgery, imagine how you, out of it, you felt after the wisdom tooth surgery or a procedure. That's how you feel like all the time on these drugs. You feel out of it and out of your mind and you're not yourself. And then you have combinations of drugs interacting with each other on top of the pain just.
1: I remember also firing so many, we used to have in-home nursing and I remember I had to fire like three or four nurses because they would not even know how to give you the medicine, you know, and their malpractice made you end up uh, in the hospital with meningitis and many side effects. So that's also really hard because you're not only protecting your child, but also you have to be fighting the system and, and human malpractice and all that. So. What I would recommend to parents is don't trust these doctors, don't trust these nurses, just learn. There's so much research. There's so many tools that you can learn online, uh, finding other parents. I was alone on this journey seven years ago. There was not so much talk about invisible diseases. So I'm very proud that you have a voice for so many people who suffer, you know, and, uh, and there's hope. I think you're like a, a beam of light to, you know, 40,000 followers that you have. So many people lose hope. I remember crying. I was so alone trying to help you. And uh, and look at you. You became a spokesperson for the ones who don't have a voice. There's people who are just getting diagnosed or that they're sick and they don't know what's wrong with them. And they may think, that they're making it up, or they think that they are crazy, or they think that they're hypochondriac. You know, I remember when I was a kid, they would say I was hypochondriac. And in reality, I had celiac disease. But for 30 years, I thought I was hypochondriac, right? So I really, really thank you for being a voice and a light to so many human beings.
0: Thank you. And I thank you for Raising me to be that way and just being my partner in crime during all of this, because it's like I said, it's been almost seven years now and the journey has been insane. I've had, I don't know, we could go through the list (laughs) just the past couple of years is ridiculous. I've had blood clots from a mainline catheter. I've had a mainline catheter put in and taken out. I've had a port put in and out. I've had plasmapheresis, meningitis twice. Ended up in wheelchairs. Doctors telling you that I'm crazy and that the blood clots in my chest were just anxiety. I mean, just- a I remember
1: one day I took you to the ER because of the blood clot and the lady made us think that we were crazy and we were making it up. But one thing that I learned is uh, stress how, and I didn't know this until it happened because I'm, you know, very Italian and very Latin in my heart. So I flip super easily, especially when they touch you, right? So we were in Iceland, I believe, or Sweden, and you were in a wheelchair in Europe. I remember there was some problem at the gate and the guy started screaming, the guy at the gate, and I started protecting you. I don't remember the story, how it happened, but what I didn't notice is that all that contributed to your stress. And when we were mid-flight from Iceland going to Europe, we were over Greenland. You started having seizures. And I remember I was holding you and uh, I requested the pilot to do an emergency landing because I didn't think you would make it from Greenland to LA and then from LA we still had to fly to Arizona and you I couldn't stop your seizures and there's a a doctor on board and she didn't even know what CIDP was so I was fighting there were some Jesus followers that they wanted to do Jesus healings on you I mean it was it was crazy so I did what I knew what to do And I gave you the medicine and I started helping you to breathe and calm down. And when we arrived in L.A., when we landed, I wanted to bring you to the hospital. And you said, no, I'm going to make it to Arizona. I just want to be home. And of course, I was like, this is not right. You know, you're super sick. You need to get IDIG. You need to be in a hospital But again, I learned to listen to what you needed, not what I wanted or what I knew was better for you. And again, looking back, it was a good decision, but it was dangerous to listen to you. So there's a point where as a parent, you need to learn to see, okay, do we emergency land in Greenland? Do we wait with an ambulance in LA or we keep going? And it's important to listen to your child or to your adult children, you know, and know what's better for them and their health. And for you, it was to come home and you had your boyfriend waiting at the airport and that's all you needed, you know, going back home and being with your dog and your boyfriend and your roommate and going back to normal life and then go to your neurologist.
0: Yeah. And I think that's extremely hard to, it's trusting your inner voice and your gut. Mm -hmm. And it's scary, especially in those chaotic situations where, I mean, you had 50,000 people yelling their opinions at you on a plane, Mm -hmm. like in those emergency situations, there's been many times in public where I'm passing out or having seizures or having an episode and my mom needs to handle it. Because even if, There is a doctor around. They've never heard of CIDP or they don't know about my medications or my reactions. And it turns into almost like a chaotic show for other people. You have, like we said, Jesus followers saying that they need to pray and getting in your face. And in between the doctors, you have. Other people who have studied CPR getting in the middle saying that they might know how to help even though they've never taken a medical class. Other people just wanting to get around and see what's going on like it's a show and it does become a very chaotic and stressful situation or you have hundreds of opinions being thrown at you all at once and you really need to just trust your gut and know what do you
1: need to do in that moment and it's not always easy. I always uh, try to make jokes. I was remembering an episode that we were at the mall. It was like, I believe January 1st or December 26th. And uh, you got really sick. We're at Louis Vuitton and you threw up at Louis Vuitton <laughs> and then you passed out. You were young and we called the ambulance one of many times and then all these <laughs> cute firefighters came. So I started making jokes so I was like oh you wanted to have a cute firefighter savior you know so we any with any stressful situation <laughs> we always try to make jokes and fun and and take the light side of life you know because life you have two choices you can cry and feel miserable you can laugh at it and you can learn you know so what I did learn is to not stress about stupid things that doesn't matter if the steward guy at the gate is rude to you I learned not to become a pit bull where before your disease I used to jump and bite and bark at everybody who would say something wrong you know and I learned that stress doesn't help your disease or your mind or your body so I, I mean, I'm human, so sometimes I err like everybody else, but stress is a big part. The environment is very important. You know, the sleep is very important. The water is very important. Laughing is so important. Having that connection, you know, it's, it's so crucial. So it's not just one thing to help, being, uh, help someone who is sick. It's just everything. But I, I talk to a lot of young people who are sick. And one of the big stressors is their parents, you know, how toxic they are. So it's important to learn not to become a toxic person or and learn how to, you know, not be toxic and not be stressed. And it's super stressful to see someone sick or passing out or having a seizure or whatever it may happen. But taking a deep breath and understanding that this is part of the journey, it's very, very important right now, at least in my opinion, right?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think stress is a huge part of it. And that's kind of the biggest thing I've learned is I can't (laughs) take life so seriously. If I get stressed or I'm fighting with someone, I'll throw up 10, 15 times that day if I'm having a good day and happy, I'll find myself not throwing up. And it's just how simple it is.
1: Or sleeping or drinking water or whatever makes you, you know. But the point is to learn to find that balance where you know that you have a chronic disease, but you're still functional for what matters to you. And what matters to you can be very different what matters to me or what matters to Gigi or what matters to John, right? So it's learned that we're all unique individuals and we're all looking for that balance and that harmony for our mind, body, spirit. And I love that you learned so many techniques to become that person, right? Where you're whole right now. And you have so many tools to help yourself and help others.
0: Yeah. And I think that's extremely important is the bio-individuality of people. It's, I mean, as my mom mentioned, she's celiac. So for her, wheat isn't going to be good for her and it's going to harm her. And she can't have bread because it'll make her extremely sick, throw up. For me, carbs are great. And it, keeps me from throwing up and that's <laughs> just a perfect example of bioindividuality. is something that harms her is helpful for me or someone who's diabetic they can't have a bunch of sugar and someone who's hyperglycemic and is running low on sugar they're going to need extra sugar in their diet you need to do what's best for you in the moment yeah. and listen to your body and there's been times where it's so weird i listen to my body and I don't know why I'm doing it but then later I figure out the reason why like I remember before I knew I had blood clots and some issues going on with my blood I was craving this kale smoothie from Whole Foods like crazy like to where I was going there every single day to get this kale I
1: remember that and I would deliver it with flowers with
0: (laughs) yeah and I was obsessed with this kale smoothie and then I figure out that I was having this issue with my blood. And one of the components in kale actually helps your blood a lot. And my mm-hmm. doctor was telling me like, I don't know if you eat kale. And he's like, but you need to try and eat a bunch of kale right now. And I'm like, that's really weird. Cause I never crave kale and I've just been drinking this kale smoothie nonstop. And mm-hmm. it's weird little coincidences like that, that I've come to realize aren't coincidences and it's your body telling you what it needs if you just will take if the opportunity listen, your body to listen
1: thoughts. yeah yeah Our body talks. we just need to learn to be still and listen to what we need and not what your parents tell you or you know if you would listen to me you would never eat bagels because you know uh, yeah meat is poison for me right or dairy is poison for me but you need the dairy you need that so it's important even if your parents is vegan and you need meat in your diet, it's good to respect that or vice versa, right? If you're vegan and your dad is uh carnivore, you know, it's okay. It, we're all different and that's the beauty. It's to learn our own individuality and and grow from there.
0: Yeah, and we all have our different paths of growing. I know what worked for me two years ago would it be beneficial for me right now at all? And vice versa, there's times where what's beneficial for me right now of doing Pilates and working out when I was in a wheelchair, that wouldn't have been beneficial and it would have been extremely harmful. So you have to listen and it's a growing curve and it's a process of every day, it's going to look different. Every moment, it's going to look different. And I kind of wanted to ask you, if you wanted to give any last piece of advice to parents listening or i don't know even for parents whose kids have chronic illnesses or really for anyone what's kind of that
1: last piece of advice that you would give listen listen to your children they know and don't stress them be the best version that you can be as a parent because it's a big blessing to have children it's a big blessing to be a parent and it's a big blessing to have a disease and to be able to transform that into love and kindness to your body and everybody who is around you.
0: I love that. And I'm so glad that you were able to come on today. And
1: you know, <laughs> I know, right? I love... it took us two months.
0: <laughs> I know it's been taking us forever to get this filmed. And so many people have been kind of asking for I don't know, a little bit deeper into my story. And I've mentioned my mom quite a bit of time. So I wanted to really have her on so we could talk about the journey because it's like we said, it was a big journey together. We're going through this every day. I mean, I'm still dealing with health issues to this day and medications and it's every single day, a learning curve and a process that we're going through. So I wanted to bring her on and give her perspective as a parent because like we said we do hear a lot of young kids talking about how difficult their relationship is and vice versa there's so many parents who struggle to understand their children because of this change in their life and just as scary as it is for us it's scary for you guys too
1: yeah it's important to have a flexible mind you know and your ways they don't work with other people's ways so it's it's so nice to be able to open your mind as an adult and allow the new generation to teach us and pave this new world that is happening you know thank you for having me yeah thank
0: you so much for joining me it was so much fun